All right, let's do it then. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, yeah. <laughs> Let me just stretch. That's Actually, going I was going to mention that. I have a... That's going in. I need to stretch. Welcome to the Picky Bastards podcast, where a group of people who don't really know what they're talking about pretend that they do, with some very mixed results. This, this week we're joined by Nick and Fran, our regulars. Hi. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm How many very, times very have you started this podcast with you? <laughs> well, that's really helpful, Fran. Thanks. <laughs> Makes my editing job so easy. It's all good. Um, we're also joined by a very special guest. We have Tom Burrows here. Hello. Hi, Tom. And so Tom is one of our contributors on the PickyBees.com website. I think you're one of my favourites. Well, Which thank, thank you very much. What about me? I'm going to tell. What about Fran? Yeah, including, yeah. You mean favourites of the other writers, right? Not you including the editors. <laughs> oh, I'd say yeah. my favourite on this call right oh, now. Oh wow! Okay, okay he went there. He went there. <laughs> you two just well, you pushed me. Get room. <laughs> he also has the, I guess, the dubious honour of being a return guest because last time we recorded, <laughs> the equipment was haunted, and so it, it all disappeared. Yeah, lost episode. Yeah, yeah. You will never okay. know what we think of Africa Express's album. Yeah. yeah, well, it adds more mythos to it, I think, nice. and to and to nice Utah. Cab. Hmm. I slagged off Damon um, Albarn on that episode, and it's never going to be heard by the world. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> we have to really get to know Tom, and so we're going to ask uh, some questions, and these are the usual questions that we ask. Um, so, Tom, what is your first album that you ever bought? Okay, um, I remember this one quite vividly. It was uh, Big Hits '99. Um, Very had, nice. Had Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. Five on it. Nice. Um, <laughs> Living La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. Uh, Summertime by Another Level. Yeah, all the classics. I don't. So another another do, level. I don't know another level. Actually. Another no. level. They were the same ones with that. Let me lick you up and down yeah, song. Yes, yeah. it's called Freak Me. <laughs> that song is called Freak yeah. Me. Yeah, that wasn't on there, unfortunately. Do you not remember that song? No, I don't. Look, look, my my really? first expression now should, is not on the mic, unfortunately. But I'm pretty horrified. But let me look, spoken. lick you up and Maybe. down until I, until you say stop. <laughs> Absolute tune. Yeah. Can I just say yeah. stop we right now? Pause. Before we begin, we should, <laughs> we should pause the podcast. All go and listen to it and then come back. Right, everyone, go away. Got in my head now. I'm just dancing along. Okay, so the next question, Tom, is uh, what was the best album from last year? So, do we, do you mean the last year, or do you mean last year? He means the last year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stepping in and telling him what it means. So, Whichever way you want. Yeah. So we're what are we October now. So yeah, nearly the go back to October last year. year. Yes, yeah. that's permitted. Extremely um, strict rules. Not here. September. I'm I'm just going to pick one from this year. Um, and I'll go with Wise Blood's album, Titanic Rising. came out in about April, I think. Um, yeah. I think that's a really well-constructed album. It's ten tracks. They're all... Uh, I just think the song craft and the songwriting is really good on that. But I would say that I still have a lot to catch up from this yeah. year. Um, so Yeah, it's been a mental year, hasn't it, really? Yeah, all it has. Yeah. Yeah. So much Unbelievable. It's just non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be more to... There might be a different favourite come the end of the year. Mm. Yeah. Have you guys checked out Where's Blood? I haven't at all. I haven't either. Um, no, no I keep right. meaning to. But, um, <laughs> rubbish, basically. But yeah, I haven't actually. Yeah. <laughs> we know nothing about it. It's been a mental year down. for music, so I haven't, I haven't got time for Wise Blood. Uh-huh. But I'll, you won't I'll give him a go. Yeah, we'll get there. Cool. Yeah, you have to make time. 
Okay, so what was uh, your best? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I will. <laughs> so, what was the best show you went to last year? Um, in the last year. <laughs> in the last year. Um, okay. If you're thinking in the last year, I think this was in the last year, but I went to see Moses Sumney at the Dance House in Manchester. Oh, fantastic. Um, I should have seen that. That was a great venue. Did he sing someone else's songs? Uh, no, he actually sang his own songs. <laughs> what a shame. I've, also, I've put down here, what a voice, what a songwriter, what a man. So, yeah. <laughs> what a man. That's, that's all I've got to I like that. say about it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. I think he's fantastic. So yeah, he's got a great voice. Just yeah. Is not that a fun. big venue? I've never. I never no, been it's there. not at all. Is it? It's not. It's, it's like an old um, sort of theatre. So it's all seated. Where it's was it? Like, you said? Oh. At the dance house. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, not, it's a nice little venue. Yeah. I've never been in it, but I know it's not too big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really suited his music. So yeah, really. Mm. Really like that one. That's I, awesome. I saw a Shaun of the Dead musical in there. Wow. What? <laughs> I would have with gone with Moses audience, Sumney if I'd had those two choices. Audience participation. Well, Shaun of the Dead is a great film. Where we had to hit zombies with um, an like, inflatable baseball bat. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Maybe you're selling me on it now. Maybe <laughs> I might have gone with that over <laughs> Sumney. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds quite good. It wasn't. It wasn't. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, what was the worst show you've ever been to? Okay, um, I can't really think of it, an actual gig that I've paid to, which I thought was particularly or, like worthy of this. Um, it's not an honour, the, the opposite. <laughs> um, Disrespect. It's, it's disrespectful title. But um, one of my first gigs that I went to was uh, a local Hull radio station's all-star pop concert, um, which starred <laughs> Westlife, nice. uh, Girls Aloud, and... Mark Owen, not the rest of Take That, just Mark Owen. Mark Owen. Um, at Hull City's KCOM Stadium. It's just like an all-star ensemble, um, terrible pop concert. I think, yeah. you know, my memory's pretty hazy from it because it's many years ago now, but I think it, it must have been pretty bad with that, that lineup. Did he sing the classic Clementine? I don't, I don't know he did. No. Probably. I don't know what that is. Mark Owen's debut single. Oh yeah, it was a storm. He has solo stuff. I was going to ask, what did he sing? Was it just take that? Just the bits, it? just his bits of the take that songs. Yeah. <laughs> just the, <laughs> it's just silence in between. <laughs> just the horrible quiet of Gary <laughs> Barlow. <laughs> oh, All great. right, so um, anyway, I was going to go rogue and ask a bonus question. Oh. As we're focusing on album of the decade at Picky Bastards, Ooh. I was wondering what your pick for album of the decade was. Yeah, so my pick for it, album of the decade, I think um, it's the same as Nick's actually. Um, it is, yeah. It was to to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Um, oh, and I, not bad. Yeah, obviously. Not bad. Thankful <laughs> <laughs> um, It's an okay album. Yeah, and obviously there's a there's a piece on the Picky Bastards website which you know I plug. Yeah, plug it. Yeah, right now. PickyBS.com. Yeah. Where fifteen of us choose our album of the decade. Yes. Yeah, everyone should check it out. Yeah, so I wrote a bit on there about the, the album and why I think it's a, a monumental piece of work, both musically, lyrically, and also politically. Yeah. Um, but I'll just refer you to the website because I don't think I'm eloquent enough to pick your keys. Right now, well, so yeah. I don't think you'll get much disagreement here about that. Yeah, I voted the same um, way, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not even his best album of the decade. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll save that for next time. Yes. Cool. So, 
we're here to talk about uh, six albums. Well, five albums and a playlist. Um, and so they are One True Pairing, self-titled album. Um, JPEG Mafia's All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Microwave with Death Is A Warm Blanket. Burner Boy with African Giant. Silver Jews with American Water. And St. Vincent and Tom made us a, a nice playlist for that. And so... To get, to get, <laughs> just, Nick, Nick's just looking at me. Right. Diamonds yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 We'll get there. We'll get Nick to that. Has, Nick has history. Nick has history. Yeah. Well, so we're going to get us cracking with uh, asking Tom another question, um, and we're going to. I'm going to ask him uh, what album fluctuated most depending on your mood. Yeah. So I thought this was. Uh, I enjoyed this question. Um, I, I did actually change my my opinion on it um, during the month the month of listening to these albums, but I'm going to jump straight into the classic on this mm. one. Um, Silver Dew's American Water, which um, I chose this based on uh, David Berman's Purple Mountains album from earlier this year, and obviously he is sad um, passing away earlier this year as well. Um, and his his kind of um, I'd describe it as like a Lou Reed esque deadpan spoken word delivery. Um, I expected to love this record because that kind of thing kind of really appeals to me. And in the end, I, I liked it rather than being totally won over by it. Um, so I think I think his delivery, um, his style of delivery, really highlights some of his best lyrics. And I think he is a poet and a writer as well as a musician. Um, so the album opens with this really striking couplet. It says, in 1984, I was hospitalised for approaching perfection slowly screwing my way across Europe I had to make a correction and that sounds like the opening it's to a dynamite <laughs> phrase, yeah it's so good yeah it, it sounds like the opening to a novel rather than a song and it shouldn't really work in music because it's so wordy but I think he carries it off quite well um, and I think the best tracks on this create an environment that help his words carry a certain like weight to them so um, the songs like Random Rules the opener um People, Buckingham Rabbit, and the closer, the wild kindness. They all have these really lovely melodies, which allow his kind of tales of American life to shine on top of them. Um, Pavement Stephen Maltmus is in the band as well. Um, oh, really? He supports. He's got support. He was for a while, anyway. Not not all the way through. Mm -hmm. but yeah, didn't know that was. Yeah. But yeah, on lots of these tracks, he kind of does backing vocals on it, and I think his little flourishes, whether they are backing vocals or the, the extra guitar he adds to the songs. I think they really they add, they add to the sort of uh, atmosphere of the album. But the reason it fluctuated depending on my mood was that I feel that, I've, personally I feel that any musician whose music kind of lives on the cusp of poetry and music, uh, like the intersection between the two, um, when the music isn't quite right, I, th I find the wordiness a little bit tiresome sometimes. Mm. So... To pick an artist, for example, just because I wrote a review of their album earlier this year, I find Kate Tempest's music a little bit like that. Like mm. sometimes, yeah, when she nails it, it's really good, but when it's not as um, captivating, I kind of find it a bit tiresome sometimes. Mm. Um, so sometimes on this record, when uh, songs like We Are Real and Honk If You're Lonely, um, I found them a bit less charismatic and more annoying, generally, like lyrically. Um, so sometimes I feel like it's trying to be too clever for its own good and 
he seems to be like reveling in the words rather than the music when it should be kind of an even balance. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I would say that when this album's good, it's really good, and I can see why certain out- outlets are giving it such critical acclaim. Um, and I think I will return to this album, but at the moment it hasn't completely clicked with me, and it kind of made me want to listen to a Pavement album instead, because I think mm. they do have a kind of similar sound. And are you a big Pavement fan, can I ask? I really like uh, the album Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Yeah. Snip did on the podcast as well. I did, I really? I love at one point. I haven't completed my uh, listen to the back album. <laughs> Come on. Well, we should stop place. now. Yeah. Stop recording, go on <laughs> Another level, and uh, all yeah. the past episodes of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my opinion on Silver Jews. I think it's... I can see why it's good. I really like some of it, but some of it is still yet to completely click mm-hmm. with me. Okay. Shall I jump cool. in? So, yeah, go yeah. on, Frank. Cool. Jump in. Um, so lyrically, I think it's a, a really stunning album. I think I've, I've picked out the same line that um, Tom did. I think any album that opens with the line in 1984 is hospitalised for approaching perfection. is going to be, you can just tell straight away, it's going to be a fascinating sort of lyrical album and I think it continues that way throughout I think there's so much dry humour and cynicism in the words um, and as a massive cynic myself that that was definitely appealing to me it's like so many great examples of, of lyrics throughout it but there's a couple that I really enjoyed that I wanted to pick out where um, in blue arrangements there's the line I love your amethyst eyes and your protestant thighs which I was a pretty big fan <laughs> of and I just love the chorus of Buckingham Rabbit, which is, uh, and then the rent became whiskey and my life became risky. Yeah, I, I love it. And I love that song um, in general. That and Random Rules, the opener, are my two favourites. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned Pavement. I wanted to mention The National, which I mm. rarely do. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but there's a real sort of early The National sound to the music and the lyrics, I think. Um, like the first couple of albums before the national sort of became a bit bolder in their sound. I think um, the, they, this band must have influenced the national. I mean, their first album came out just a couple of years after this album, and it, it there's a lot. You know, his voice reminded me of him. His lyrics reminded me of him, and it, yeah, and you know, it's a sound that the national moved on from. But there's a lot of similarity similarity between this album and their first two albums. So, um, in a weird way, it did sometimes make me want to go and listen to those national albums more than it made me want to listen to this album but I do I do really like it and I do want to go back and listen to more for me of all the classic albums we've done this was up there with with the best classic albums we've done I would say mm-hmm. um, I've not loved a lot of the classics so that's <laughs> yeah, right. maybe not saying loads <laughs> but you know there's this and Biggie are the ones that really stand out for me that we've done as classics so yeah that's my thoughts on mm. Silver Juice. I'll jump in then. Um, yeah, go on then. So, yeah, I mean, I'm echoing what the other two have said a great deal, actually. I think lyrically, uh, it's an amazing juxtaposition of being darkly hilarious and then suddenly extremely poignant. Mm. Um, and I think it's, uh, obviously, obviously, I don't know him, but uh, it, it reflects a personality that's really a fascinating uh, kind of individual to sort of study almost, to sort of see... What, what his thought process is. And I, I think he, he seems to be speaking in a tongue-in-cheek way, but then other times in a very um, open and honest way, which I think is is really um, riveting, honestly, is the best, best word I can use to describe it. I'm, as has been clear to anyone who's listening for a while, a massive Pavement fan. And uh, Steve Malcolmus' involvement with this, Malcolmus' involvement with this, sorry, is... Um, 
just lifts it up to another level, I think. There are songs where uh, Malcolmus actually kind of leads on it a bit more. I can't think of the actual track names now, but there are a couple of ones where he's he's running the show a bit more, um, and I, th I found those to be really engaging as well. I think lyrically, actually, although I would have picked out lots of the same things, I think there's a line at the end of the wild, Across the Wild Kindness, the last track, which I, I know it down, which I think is... I'm going to shine out in the wild silence, mm. which is just, it's just an amazingly poetic line just to me typified exactly how well he can write. Um, if I have a caveat to all that, I suppose, it's not actually this, this issue that Tom raised so much as his actual... Um, his, the pitch of his voice is something that's quite idiosyncratic and a bit of an acquired taste. Mm. And there are times yeah. when I found it a bit distracting, um, distractingly nasal I suppose um, but it wasn't really off-putting it's just, just sometimes I felt like I was I was thinking oh it's you know or when Steve Malcolm's came in I really noticed that juxtaposition quite sharply you know with their two voices um, but I mean it's a very minor thing ultimately I thought it was a it was really a great album um, and you know without being much about that I think he sorely missed really uh, mm. it's, a, it's a quite a talent and he was doing great stuff and I had heard some of the newest stuff um, before he passed and uh, that also was very consistently high quality as well I thought it was you know just uh, yeah quite a talent so yeah that's me on that one kind of makes you sad that I didn't know him because I can imagine there's a, a live act which is probably quite fascinating as well so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. there's a couple of YouTube things I've seen I never mm -hmm. saw him live myself but um, some which really show his idiosyncrasy again because he, he when he came out and it was one of his last shows I think that was on YouTube and he came out and um, just did a story an anecdote but it lasted for like 15 minutes mm -hmm. people at the band were just like standing like, <laughs> like right should we, should we get going you know it's just really like it was his show you know it was really his show it was yeah. like good music but he was, it was fundamentally his, his band when we he, saw he in charge Big Thief and Adrian Lenker just talked for oh, yeah. 45 minutes <laughs> he was yeah. really eccentric with some of the stuff she was bringing up yeah it was really yeah. fascinating yeah and bizarre so yeah that's me what do you think Matt? Um, I I can pretty much echo a lot of what you guys have said. Um, That's not allowed, unfortunately. We we can't have all yeah. four of us in agreement. Well, so yeah. you're gonna have to say you hated it completely. I have a I'm a bit more negative though. Oh. I would say that uh, like the lyrics and everything, fantastic, really really interesting. I wrote down the same opening line. I already kind of knew that song, but still the the way it begins the album, mm. I hadn't heard it in its context, and I was just like, yeah, this is kind of a ridiculous way to start a, a long, <laughs> long piece of music. And <laughs> um, and to draw a comparison to a different artist, I, I think I can see a lot of influence in uh, Willie Mason, who I brought up as someone mm -hmm. I love, um, mm -hmm. in the, his deadpan style of delivery and some of uh, his more kind of ironic lines that mm -hmm. he, he, he puts forward. And that also timeline would make sense as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I liked a lot of it, um, but I do think it was quite generally quite uneven and... Like like you say, when it doesn't quite work, because of his tone and because of um, the way it's kind of almost flippant, the way he delivers everything, it just kind of, over the course of the album, wore me down. And mm. so if the music wasn't there and the, and the it wasn't, like, if the music wasn't there on a particular song, it would make it just so much harder to engage with. And you say it wore you down over time. So are you saying then that the last songs, because to me, the, that last song I referred to, The Wild Kindness, I think, is the last song, is um is possibly the best song on the album. So it's a respect it wound up wound down for you over time. Um over time throughout the album but also with each listen, but mm. also 
the more I listen to it. Like okay. I liked Wild Kindness. I like really like the interplay with the the keyboards and the uh, guitar in that. But like that's mostly focused on the intro and that kind of the that dynamism of the the song kind of dissipates as the song progresses as well. Plus, the biggest problem I have with this album is you guys know I hate fades and the <laughs> second song. Like I've written a piece about this. The second song fades in and fades out. Right. It's just awful. Just we were like, talking oh. like this yesterday, actually, Fran, Fran yeah. and I, and I don't agree yeah. with you. I have to say, I'm going to take this up with you, take issue with this later on. But yeah. uh, <laughs> when you do your, when your review comes out of that, that issue, but uh, yeah, I can't agree with you. I think fades have, have their place, but yeah. Anyway, uh, that's another story. Nah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but broadly. <laughs> I'm not going to go back to this, but I enjoyed it. Like, I like the fact I listened to this album. Okay. Something, okay, cool. Something I feel like I, I gained a little bit from. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. what's next? Me, I so think. So, next, it? we're going, going to you, Nick. Um, which album had the most purpose? Uh, I would definitely say uh, JPEG Mafia's All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Okay. Uh, I would yeah. go with this had the most purpose. Um, the, the album has... Um, is is very very intentional sort of mass of glitch like it's just a it's just an unbelievable uh well this sounds really pejorative but it's an unbelievable mess really the album and i don't i don't <laughs> yeah. mean that in a pejorative way actually but it, it it really tries to dismantle um any kind of notion of uh analog songwriting really you know real in inverted commas songwriting you know and becomes entirely in digital space um, so I thought I found that really intriguing. I um, it makes for really really complicated song construction, which I find really fascinating. There's a lot to dig into. You could kind of pour through uh, parts of it over and over again, and you'd, you'd be hearing new things. Um, it's also very uh, it's actually a hilarious album in many ways. I think, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Um, some of the titles of the songs even, which is, there was one that's called Post Verified Lifestyle, which I thought was an absolutely genius yeah. way to, to sort of suggest he's made it because he's post verified. <laughs> and um, there's one that isn't there called JPEG Mafia Type Beat, which yeah. I also thought was an amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing title. Uh, so that sarcasm comes through it all. Um, and he's doing something in the in the sort of vein of Death Grips. I know there's a lot of comparisons made with him and Death Grips. I don't. I think he has his own place in that space, and it's not like he's just ripping off Death Grips. Death Grips is, in many ways, a more acoustic in band than than uh, this is. This is yeah. this is a digital playground completely. You know. So I thought that was really really interesting. There were points. Um, that I would say that it's, it felt like the, that it crossed over from being a beautifully uh, messy exercise in construction into just throwing ideas at the wall. Uh, there was there were moments where I just felt like he was just just going, you know, throwing any anything that came to mind at the wall. I think there's one called Throp Tactics, um, which I thought was was an example of that where it just felt like he didn't really spend the time to, to have that intent that I would like to have seen all the way consistently through the album. But overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a recommendation of my brother actually to me, so I thank him for that. Um, Lewis, who was on the podcast a few months ago, he absolutely loves it. So uh, he, he persuaded me to get into that, and I, I think it was a great thing that I did. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay. What about, cool. uh, who wants uh, to go, Tom? 
Yeah, yeah well, that's a nice segue there because I need to give a shout out to my brother as well. Uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to Joe Burrows in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, I don't have a brother. Oh, <laughs> how sad. Yeah, uh, my brother introduced me to J Pig Mafia last year with his album Veteran, which came out last year. Um, which I think, what did you describe it as, Nick? A, a, a digital playground. Yeah, a mess, yeah. 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 I'd put it's a, a gloriously chaotic collage of abrasive sound and confrontational lyricism. Basically a mess. Done in four letters, basically. M-E-S-S. And Veteran was very replayable once your ears became attuned to it because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's the same kind of construction. It's just ideas just everywhere. Um, and I've just got to say the same about this record. I think I pretty much agree with what Nick's just said. I think it's really good. Um, I think just on an innovation level, it sounds like very few other hip hop albums uh, artists working today, and I think that's why it's caused such a, a splash over the last year. Um, yeah, because I think you can you can make like unconventional um, beats, but making it listenable and enjoyable and structuring it is the difficult bit. And I think he's good at organising the chaos that he creates. So he includes like a snippet of his friend ordering fast food at a drive-through, or <laughs> just a random like manic guitar solo or like he just breaks into auto-tune singing and rather than it being jarring to me anyway it uh, added to the whole um i think lyrically like a caveat that some people might have would, would be that lyrically it's, it's hard to follow um but i kind of think that's the point like it's more impressionistic than um narrative um so he does generally just seem to be just addressing haters for most of the, the album, but I think with I think you get the general impression about what he stands for and what the kind of message he wants to put to put across. So I think it's quite clear that he has a kind of no bullshit view of the world. Like he he hates racism and the alt right, he hates the way people act on the internet. So that post verified lifestyle and yep. JPEG Mafia type beat, those kind of titles just yeah. instantly give you the impression of what he's trying to put across. Um so I like the fact he doesn't spoon feed the audience and I think I've also put the, the clear sense of wit and comedy that runs through the, the whole album I just think it's it's great like I, it's it's chaos it's a mess but I, I really enjoyed it okay yeah. why don't we go to Matt this time shall we yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in I I I, uh, I also really enjoyed this album but again we have a problem here everyone's <laughs> yeah. agreeing this is really out of order yeah, yeah exactly we're not that picky today go ahead Matt Sorry. no no, that's okay. Um, I, I I see your comparison to Death Grips, but I, I felt like it was... The only comparison was because it was an abrasive hip-hop album, but a lot of the parallels weren't uh, as clear, I don't think. Um, I think the way he delivers the music instead had me more comparing him to uh, Childish Gambino. The the way his delivery works is the, and the way he kind of uses emotion and almost changes the the way to so he's like almost screaming at times it is more reminiscent of some of uh like donald Glover's early uh albums i think um which i i really enjoyed um and uh i found but well i think i the issue i had was because it's so uh kind of fragmented and it's kind of long but not long it felt long because there were so many tracks um I found that the kind of fragmented nature of the, the whole whole experience just made it harder to pay attention to this kind of mixed production that he was doing. Uh, like 
the songs themselves were kind of all over the place um, in a very intentional and interesting way, but because the songs themselves were also so short and all over the place, it made it exhausting. But I still enjoyed it, but it was just made it more hard work than, say, say like an easy listening uh, or something that really grabs you and just is really straightforward. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's a negative. I just mean it was hard work as an mm. album. Mm, okay. Um, I also just really enjoyed his references, the way he makes like these nerd culture stuff with his very hard political views, which is a kind of interesting and fun juxtaposition. Like okay. we're talking about Batman and the alt right at the same time. Which is cool. <laughs> Alright, Fran, you're up. Yeah. Okay. Um so the first three or four songs really sum up with my issue with this album. It's yeah. incredibly ploddy. His flow is really like Rustra, his beats are really thin, and he keeps trying to sing and he can't sing, so he just stops. <laughs> and I also find despite a few clever one liners, like the one about Brexit that it's his lyrics are pretty bullshitty it feels as if he's just picked them out of a book of rhymes and it's just it just doesn't grab me lyrically at all um grimy waifu is a particular example of this it's just weak um what is he talking about um (laughs) and interestingly nick's picked this as the one with that had the most purpose. I have written one bullet point that just says there is no purpose to this album. It's got no purpose. And that's the point. <laughs> I'm right back at you. It also feels really, really difficult to distinguish between the songs because the beats are also similar. They're also tinny. It's just a nothing album to me. So it's consistent. I just, nothing. <laughs> yes, consistently shit. Yes, it is consistently shit. It's just a nothing album. There's nothing on it at all for me, um, apart from the line about Brexit. And that's just because I thought it was quite good that even a shit rapper like this is talking <laughs> well, about Brexit. Everybody is oh talking about God. Brexit. So yeah, I just didn't, it did absolutely nothing for me. I'm really surprised to hear you all liked it as much as you did, especially you, Nick, because the beats are so thin, so tinny, and that's the kind of thing you usually have a problem with. Like, But it was, again, an intent to make something very digital, very... Um, clipped and... But whenever anyone makes an and... album like that, it's an intent... Right, when we did the Princess Nokia no, album, I mean, it could and you be... just went on about how tinny that was. It was that was also an intent. For yeah, it. this this had a sort of tongue-in-cheek character to it though. That was really like taking the piss out of itself. I thought in lots of ways, which what, I like. What's a fucking stupid thing to do with an album? Should <laughs> <laughs> write some songs to take the piss out of my own music. It's fucking terrible. I, I, I'm kind of glad that someone hated it because uh, yeah. it kind of seems like is that kind of divisive character who yeah. some people love and some people absolutely hate. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I really want because like I've heard quite a bit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was reasonably excited, but as soon as the first song started, I was like, nah, <laughs> this is not going to work for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Open minded as usual. Yes, absolutely. Very open minded. Absolutely. A bit of shy. You ready for, ready for your question, Fran? I am. <laughs> yes. What, how, what album had you looking up lyrics? I can't answer it. You because can't. I had two choices for it I had <laughs> Silver Juice, yeah. which was totally lyrically beautiful, and I. I adored so I was really into the lyrics there um, and then I had as a backup if someone chose Silver Jews I was going to go with JPEG Mafia and say that I had to look at <laughs> the lyrics because I couldn't tell what the fuck he was saying half the time <laughs> so that is my two albums that I had anything to say about lyrics so you're going to have to make a new question up for me so you can't well, you can't just answer what? anything on the fly then that seems like you know well, what, what was most lyrically un- I don't have uninteresting 
What's the most lyrically what's uninteresting of the remaining what's ones? The, what's most uninteresting? Ooh, okay, what's left? Um, yeah. We got One Shoe Pairing, Microwave, One shoe pairing. Okay, and yeah. African Giant, Burner Boy. So, Burner Boy, African Giant, I will go for for one that's less lyrically interesting. Um, yeah. I think I kind of got more out of this album than I expected to because I didn't really think I would like Burner Boy from what I've heard about him and I've heard stuff about his sort of homophobic lyrics in the past and stuff like that so I wasn't terribly excited to listen to him but musically I quite enjoyed it I think it was quite well produced it was quite slick but in a good way I don't really like the word slick but I think it applies <laughs> and it had a lot of energy and I could kind of just coast by listening to just the music and be quite happy with, with it as an album but lyrically I found it less enjoyable I think songs like Secret and body so some pretty questionable attitudes towards women and across the board there's just a lot of talk about guns and I, mm. I don't really need to hear someone talking about Berettas on every other song it's not really for <laughs> me um, I think the song Different with um, Ziggy Marley no not Ziggy Marley Damien Marley um, yeah. yeah stood out to me as a bit different to the rest of the album yeah. I think they did better That's... in that respect and it was the standout song um yeah, that's with Angelique Kidjo as well. Okay, yeah. So yeah, and there was a couple of songs. I mean, I was I was disappointed because I really like George Smith and um, that was one of the songs that I found a bit questionable in its lyrics. Um, and yeah, the other thing about this album really is that it is very, 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 very long. Mm. It seems to go on forever. Mm. And I don't yeah. think there was many times when in one listen I got to the end. I think I had to sort of take a break and listen to someone who wasn't talking about Berettas. Um, so yeah it was it, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would because the, I quite enjoyed the music but uh, yeah lyrically questionable for me how about you Matt um, yeah I I also have mixed feelings about this I like some of the songs I think the the track you picked out with uh, Damien Marley and Angelique Kidjo was definitely the best song yeah and, I think I am biased because I actually like Angelique Kidjo quite a lot. I mean, you like saying her name, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I said it three times. <laughs> you didn't know who it was, so I thought I'd better make sure it sticks in Who was it again? Who was it? One more time? I've forgotten. I've forgotten. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Um, but yeah, she had a really interesting album last year or two okay. years ago, and so I was excited to see her, and I think her voice is great. Um, and it was a bit more different the, the song because like I found the song different I found like a lot of this album to be quite samey mm. um, it was a, a lot of the similar kind of beats used throughout and it it's not too uh, dissimilar to a lot of this um, a lot of similar R&B style music um, especially with the way that he modulates his voice as well um, it just becomes all a bit uniform mm. Um that said, like it was, wasn't unenjoyable. It had, uh, like, at, at points, it had an in interesting mixture of sounds, mm. uh, like extra instruments on on top of and on top of those beats, which made the the songs a bit more interesting. Um, but I still like, at the end of the day, my my favorite song that he's done is the collaboration with Dave, um, and not his own music. So, mm -hmm. it seems like he's maybe a better feature than. For me, at least. Yeah, because for me, the the song different as well. I, I enjoyed 
Damien Marley's contribution and you enjoyed that person yeah. whose name you've said 17 times. Yeah. Who <laughs> so, well, you still can't remember. Angeli <laughs> Kitcho. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah. You made it. Wow. Quite impressive. All right. Cool. So uh, what, I think Tom, what do you reckon, Tom seems, no, oh, I Tom, think Tom seems to want to speak. Tom's ready. Go for it. Uh, I, was, I was about to be outraged by the answer to that that question of the, the least what was it the least inspiring lyrics yeah until you mentioned the points about homophobia and misogyny which I, I hadn't heard about before so now my outrage has been tempered a little bit but yeah. I mean if, if I was answering that question I'd say that this would be the album which I'd look up the lyrics the most because because okay. well, you can tell what you're saying well, well sometimes because some of it is in like Igbo like the like uh, one of the tribal languages of Nigeria but okay. um, I after the JP Mafia, now I have to give a shout out to my other sibling, my sister um, Hannah Burrows. Shout out on this podcast. Because, <laughs> nice. Um, have you so got any other family members? <laughs> and then I'll just get them all off the list right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mum. Um, yeah, now my sister's a big fan of the Afrobeats music genre. Um, yeah. And I'd previously never had the desire to explore mm. it any further because it never really appealed to me. Um, this Burner Boy record had intrigued me. Um, I think Fran you said as well that it had some like critical acclaim so mm. um, yeah it intrigued me, intrigued me for that reason and also this kind of sound is getting adopted by other like mainstream artists so Drake oh, yeah. Drake for instance um, his More Life mixtape a couple of years ago had so much of this kind of Afrofusion type music on it um, so I was intri- intrigued to hear it but I have to say, in, in comparison to the, the two comments so far, I really enjoyed this record. Um, <laughs> I mean, I found it really catchy, um, the way it kind of cont- uh, blends that contemporary American R&B with the more like African and, mm. and dancehall inflected music. Um, but the biggest thing I enjoyed about it um, was how political it is. So obviously it's called African Giant which yeah. I kind of just assumed because he's from Nigeria, that's why it was called that. But I think it's actually really sharp in its references to like contemporary Africa and Nigeria. So, I mean, a lot of this I got from doing research so, mm-hmm. um, because some of it isn't in English. What's research? <laughs> what are you trying about? Yeah, well, I just like, while I was reading it, I like the song Wetting Mango Do. I have no idea what that means, but apparently it's about. So the hardship of making ends meet in Nigeria, and it's contrasted okay. with the next song, which is called Dan- Dangote, which is the name of the richest man in Africa. So it, it kind of contrasts the, the lifestyles of the poor and the rich, like back to back. And I, I'm, personally, I'm a big fan of pop artists doing this. So I think that if when there's like a like loud guitar band, for example, who um, are like politically active and stand for something that's always highlighted but I think when pop artists do it it's not as mm. commonly recognised and I think that's somehow even more admirable in a way because they're spreading a message to an audience who don't necessarily aren't necessarily aware of these things they just want to dance kind of thing um, so I think the political aspect of it was something that I, I really liked um, I've put the drawback on, on it which I think you've both mentioned so far is that it's pretty long it's over, yeah. it's over an hour long yeah. and it, <laughs> is it actually over an hour long? yeah it's, I think it's like 65 minutes long or something mm-hmm. um, so yeah the, the songs can get a little bit samey after a while mm. and that dulls the impact so though I like the political aspect in the second half some of the songs just start to blend into it, each other 
Um, but I do absolutely love some of the spoken samples on the record. Mm. So there's a song called Another Story, which starts with a, a segment about colonialism and yeah. how the British went into Nigeria. Yeah, that. definitely. Yeah, that was one of the most interesting points on the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the album ends with a, a quote from his mum um, collecting a, an award on his behalf. So um, he won like Best International Act at an award ceremony mm. and he didn't turn up because he thought it was a bit of a slight on him, say, relegating him to the international mm. category rather mm. than just saying the best act kind of thing. And she says, the message from Burnham, I believe, would be that, be that every black person should please remember you were Africans before you became anything else and that just ends the record. And I think that's mm. just a great way to sum up like the, the message of the record. So... I've put this, it's a big thumbs up for me, but that's slightly tempered by the. Uh, mm. I mean, I've, never, I've not know. I've got to say about the homophobia thing is I've not heard anything myself. I've just I, f- I, yeah. I feel like I've read in the past that there was some homophobia in some of his earlier stuff. I think okay. you know. Yeah. So it's not something I heard on this album. So I did hear some of the misogyny on the album. It's it's not terrible, but it's yeah. the, there are bits okay. about slapping someone's ass and choking them, yeah, which I struggled with a little bit. But you don't hear that. It's yeah. I think you've made some good points there, though. I think like there is, there is some interesting political stuff on there. I think maybe what, mm. th- why that struggle was a struggle for me sometimes to get to was because it was a lot of stuff to get to, yeah. to get through to hear that sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. there's a hell of a lot of songs, and it kind of got a bit samey, and you didn't know. I didn't always notice that as much as maybe I, I would have liked to. Yeah. So yeah, and and admittedly, some of it's not in English, so yeah, you can't, you can't be. Uh... So I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's fun. Nick, it's, it's me then. Yeah, so um, my comments aren't really related to the other three people's comments, I guess, because they're more about um, the type of music and the sound of the music itself than about the political aspects, which I, I you know, as usual, I haven't done any research, so I barely, barely follow any of that, any of the actual context. Um, but I, I, you know, respect what Tom's saying there about some of the political implications and stuff and sort of things that he's striking um, in, in sort of his commentary. Uh, for me, though, um, the genre is is very polished, like, and I, it's in a way that I find a little bit hard to get past. It, it sounds, it's very, um, it has a sheen over it that I find a bit difficult to listen to sometimes. And, yeah. and one of the ways in which that particularly manifests itself, which won't be a surprise to anyone, is in all the vocoding of the, of the lyrics, all the auto-tune and um, kind of passing it through hundreds of uh, filters and stuff to get to the final product. Um, it's, it's very off-putting uh, to me and very distracting. Um, and whenever I hear it, I, just, I find it I have to fight so hard not to switch off completely. So um, while I thought it was... Uh, the other thing I'd say as well is the genre as well, as far as I'm not an expert on this, but the genre from this album's context is, is very upbeat. Like, I don't mean it's politically upbeat, but it's the, the actual pacing of the album is, is quite up-tempo a lot of the time, and I find that something I'm not that enthused about, really. It's just not, not something I was that... don't like tempo, do you? I don't like tempo, no. no. I, I like slow, laborious. Yeah. Um, and also, I'll say that this is... One of the challenges this album had was that I've been listening to... Um, the new Nick Cave album a lot at the moment <laughs> which is about as far away from this as you can get in terms of tempo so um, anyway so no I, I don't have tons to say except that I, you know I, I find it really difficult to gain access to, to what I can see from various other comments that come through or are interesting about it um, but uh, yeah it wasn't wasn't really for me to be honest with you fair enough that's it fair enough 
Right. Well, I'm going to jump in now because I want to talk about microwave. Okay. Um, you picked it, didn't you, in the first place? Death is a warm I blanket. I picked it. Yeah. Death is a warm blanket. And I picked it because I got a recommendation and I wanted to pick something that was a bit more of like post-hardcore vibes. I wanted to get something that was a bit of a harder edge to see what you guys thought of it. And Did you feel you got that? For me, for, well, we'll see what you guys think. But for me, I... I really, really enjoyed this album. I thought it was fantastic. It was, it was more grungy than I was expecting. Um, it, had, it was very much like a '90s throwback almost at times. Mm. Um, like the the title track "DIWB," uh, it felt like it could be Nirvana at some points or Foo's early Foo's. Um, my eyes just gone really wide. Something with Dave Grohl. My face just went insane. My eyes just gone really, really wide in shock at you saying that. <laughs> but anyway, carry on, carry on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, just in parts. Mm. Apart from the like the obvious, like when they go full full screen. Um, <laughs> but I think the whole album as a, it's just very big. It's very emotional. It feels raw. Like it's angry, um, and it feels like they're in a really bad place um, but they convey it convey the kind of diet, like the range of that emotion I think through every aspect of the music but like lyrically and musically and the way he delivers uh, the vocals um, but it does feel like they're about to ready to give up and I want to just give him a bit of a hug or something. <laughs> <laughs> just a pep talk or something, anything nice um, yeah I and mean, it's just for someone in this genre it, I think the the part that is hardest is flicking between something where it's super heavy, you have like uh, big vocals and the kind of powerhouse drums and stuff like that, and then you have to flick to something that's a bit more um, quieter on mm. on just like just on a dime. You you have to do that switch because that is a, I think a, a key part of the genre. Mm. I think they did it fairly well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, so I'm curious to see what you guys think we'll go to go to Nick okay his face we'll go to Nick's face, face. My, my review is just my facial expression yeah I'm not going to say anything yeah. at all um, yeah so when I um, heard well first of all I hated the band name very very much I just thought oh, I'm gonna, yeah. that, that put me off immediately but it's a great name microwave yeah come on anyway so I um, when I when I got when I got into the album a little bit um I, and when I heard the genre it was kind of like uh, this yeah I see the foods reference more than the Nirvana reference and I say that yeah. I don't say that complimentary way because I've never really liked the food fighters myself I've always thought they were a very weak version of Nirvana really a very sort of plastic pop version of banana but of uh, a banana, <laughs> banana, banana, <laughs> banana yeah. my favourite band banana um, so Did yeah you know, like so the I, the I no no um, so anyway, that's a whole other story. So yeah, the the um, this album though, ultimately, I actually didn't. I thought oh, I'm going to really get pissed off with this album. It's going to really put me off. <laughs> but um, I actually didn't dislike it nearly as much as I thought I would. Um, in the end, I thought there was there were some things in it that I quite liked. It had some hooks that were quite interesting. Some kind of like a little bit of dynamics that was that was quite cool. And, and when it went for it, when it when it sort of turned it up to eleven. Uh, although it was very very rock which I'm, I'm not that fussed about rock mainstream rock as it were but it, I thought it did it did it pretty well I thought it produced it pretty well so um, it, it did get a little bit um, thin I felt like content wise over the course of the album so I, I, by the yeah. end I was 
it tailed off for me a little bit. Um, for sure, it definitely, I, I, definitely. I just felt like they'd made work. their point in terms of the general tenor of their angst. They'd made the point, uh, you know, f- after. 20 minutes rather than 40 minutes kind of thing I didn't need to keep going with that so so yeah but no in the end I, I thought it was alright I thought it was alright I thought uh, you know I didn't didn't. Um, there have been albums we've done a little bit like this can't think of the names now we've done a couple of albums mm. of this kind of genre that I've really had Sweet a problem with and, but um, yeah but this was the best of those by by some distance, yeah. So, but I think comparing to Nirvana um, is just lunacy, basically. So, <laughs> we just put that out there. All right, one part of one song, <laughs> like one bar, what one beat? Yeah. All right, yeah. So, who wants to go? Fran, should I go? Uh, okay. Yeah. So weirdly, I want to compare this to Burner Boy. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> so for it. I feel like so only the only reason I'm comparing it is is I had much the same sort of feelings uh, in that I really went into it expecting very little and kind of enjoyed it more than I than I thought I would um, with some caveats. But I think um, I liked it more than the Burner Boy. I think it grew on me as well. And I think there's what I liked was there's a sort of eels like sound to a few of the songs. Um, yeah. Close mm. to the top, particularly. That's a good association, Eels. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of, you know, not when they go full for, full throttle, but the quieter bits of the songs. They did yeah. remind me of Eels quite a lot, and I'm a big fan of theirs. So, um, and I like you sort of touched on it a bit, Matt. But I like the sort of light of the light and shade in a lot of the songs. Sort of the quiet contemplative moments before sort of big bursts of sound. Um, yeah. And I think it managed. And you, again, Nick's just mentioned a couple of the well. He's tried to mention a couple of the albums, but can't remember what any of them are. But similarly, I think it avoids some of the problems I've had with other albums, like um, Pup and Swain that we've done before. Swain, yeah, that's the one. I think yeah. it manages to avoid the juvenile quality that I talked about with Pup, where it felt like a teenage album. This, yeah. this didn't feel yeah. like a teenage album. It didn't feel too overblown. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, all, all that said, it's probably not going to be something I'll revisit. Um, but like the songs float to the top and carry you know they might make it onto a couple of playlists of mine I like those two songs a lot um, other than that it it was a bit hit and miss but yeah better than I was expecting would be my summary alright that brings cool. Tom that brings it to Tom Tom yeah um, Microwave one of the two artists on this uh, this podcast which I hadn't heard of before One True Pair is the other one I didn't know who that was mm-hmm. um, I thought this album kind of sounded a lot like some of the like run of the mill Kerrang magazine bands, which my brother would have listened <laughs> yeah. to. When he was a kid. Um, so it's not like typically it's not really my bag, so to speak. Um, but I did think it started off okay. I thought Leather Daddy and Float to the Top, mm. which you just mentioned, um, they're quite catchy and well constructed songs. Um, I just generally it didn't really do it for me. It sounded a lot like other bands in this genre, so. I've put that there's a reason that it's been several years since I last listened to a Biffy Clyro album. So yeah, dissed to Biffy Clyro on this podcast. Um, it didn't do that much for me on repeat listens either. And it's, I agree with the, the point that uh, I think Nick made about it. It made its point quite early on and then towards the end it kind of drifted drifted off like unmemorably for me and it's quite short under half an hour so I think that's a bit of a problem when yeah, you can't do 30 that. minutes yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. versus Burner Boy's hour and five or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, 
it might just be because I associate it with um, the kind of bands which were around when I was a bit younger, but its sound just feels a bit dated. And I think Matt said that it um, kind of sounds a bit like mm. a few 90s bands. It does have a 90s sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought some parts of it were okay, but it, for me it didn't do, seem to do anything that was particularly interesting. And I don't think I'll be returning to it in the future. Okay. Cool. Right, that brings us to cool. the last one of yeah, the ordinary albums, yeah, which is one shoe yeah, pairings, one shoe pairing. One shoe pairing. Does anyone um, mind if I start on this one? Go for it. Yeah, go for um, it. Okay, so I wanted to be really careful in drawing a conclusion on this album because, like, Wild Beasts are one of my favourite bands of the last ten years, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to dismiss this album because it wasn't loyal, uh, Wild Beasts, or I didn't want to just like it out of loyalty to Tom and what you know the band means to me. Not you, Tom. Tom. From yeah. Wild Beast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, no loyalty to you whatsoever. Yeah, no loyalty to you. So it was one that I kind of had to think quite carefully about, and it took me a bit of time, but eventually I, I did really, really like this album a lot. Um, I think it's unmistakably and perhaps unavoidably Wild Beast like at times, and, yeah. and that kind of left me questioning whether it was distinct enough as, as its own on an album for a bit. But I think. It's a bit more brooding and sinister than a lot of Wild Beast albums as a whole, and I think that sets it apart. I think it's. Um, I also think it's a really complete piece of work. I think it flows incredibly well and incredibly well, and has a real purpose. Nick, this was the answer for the purpose question that you got asked. Oh. Just so you know. Just so I'll do it next. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the the flow and the sort of purpose of the album was something that wasn't always the case with Wild Beast albums. I think sometimes they had like amazing set pieces and like one-off songs like you think songs like a simple beautiful truth but maybe the albums weren't as consistent as, as this is at times um and it's consistent all the way through it doesn't really have any dips but i think it's really it opens really really strongly i think the opener zero summer and the title track which i think is either track two or three are, are, are some of the best stuff on there i also love only god can judge me which comes towards the end but i'd say there isn't really a weak point on the album for me. Um, so as a summary, yeah, I'm just really pleased to see him move on and come back so quickly um, and do something that's in keeping with Wild Beasts enough for me to to see the linkage, but also it's got his own stamp on it. And I think um, I've not listened to Hayden White's solo album, which came out just before it. Um, I've heard less positive things about it. Um, Apparently, it's taken that sort of Wild Beasts thing that they did with the last album where it's a lot of stuff just about sex. And it's, yes. Whereas this, I felt, had a real sort of personal sort of... Quite a dark album in, in the way he kind of comes across as if it, it really sounds like he's had a bit of a struggle, but um, has come out of it with this album. So, yeah, I was, I was really imple- impressed and really pleased as well that he's, he's bought something out that didn't sort of d- diminish my feelings towards him as a musician. So, yeah. Yeah, that's where I can, stand. Can, can I jump in there? Yes, because I have listened to Hayden's album. Okay, um, I think the thing with this album is it sounds almost like a logical next step for the direction that Wild Beasts were heading. Mm. Um, they were becoming a bit more electronic, a little bit more spare, um, a little bit darker, I think. And well, uh, Hayden's album felt like a like a regressive step. Okay. It, musically, at least, it felt more akin to some of their earlier stuff, and it just a bit more boring. Okay. It was more really? monotone throughout. Really? Um, and so, comparatively, this was a much 
much superior album, okay. I think. Cool. Um, it's really interesting the way it worked out that they both released albums within a couple months mm. of each other. Yeah. I don't know how unintentional or intentional that was. Because um, I also don't know the, the, how they broke up. Um, yeah, I read really. an interview with him the other day where it seemed, without him saying, with Tom, this is, without, with, without him saying it, it seemed like there was a little bit of animosity there. I don't know for sure, yeah. but it seemed like there was a bit of whether he had wanted the band to end as much as other members did. I don't I don't think he did. That, that was my sense, yeah. but yeah. We went to their last, their second sense. to last gig, I think it was, before they disbanded and they were all, yeah, yeah, Tom went, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, they seemed to, I mean, if you, you can tell from my performance, but they, they, they seemed very upbeat moment, you know, very mm-hmm. like joyous celebration of what they'd achieved. So I'm disappointed and sad if they, if they yeah, aren't getting wrong, along. It was just a sense yeah. I got from the interview, but. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of it's yeah that's kind of interesting. Maybe they were happy but also sad at the same mm. time. When you reflect on it, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, like this album is a continuation of of his work. Um, I think it makes sense to me. It's obviously different to Wild Peace. It feels like there's a a loss of one dimension because you don't have the kind of battling vocals anymore, mm. and it's not as musically um, uh, like diverse. But I would actually reframe it as it's almost like more focused yeah. than, it's got than the purpose, previous right? Piece. Pardon? It's got purpose, right? Nick? Exactly, yeah. 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 It has purpose. <laughs> I think I, it reminds me of when editors released uh, their third album. after Their second album was like Stadium Rock mm. and then they came back with their third album which was very much synth-heavy, yeah. um, stripped back. It was an all kind of post-punky, new order kind of style. Um, and that kind of switch in tone um, and so that's what it kind of uh, yeah it really reminded me of um, but yeah I brought it I think I enjoyed this album but I also uh, I'm not sure how much I still think I preferred Wild Beasts yeah, <laughs> at the end I, yeah of the day. I mean Wild Beasts yeah. an exceptional band aren't they yeah. but I think um, yeah. this was better than I good. expected as a, as a solo yeah. project especially after after hearing the other album, and I think, I think he would, yeah. if you were to look at the band as well, you would have maybe thought that he would be the one who was less successful on their own. I think just because of Hayden's voice and his sort of his personality, yeah, and is the way he yeah. is on stage. I would have thought he would have done the more successful thing, but it sounds like yeah. that's not the case, which is quite interesting. I, yeah, especially with the different trajectories, it would suggest that um, uh, the Tom was more the driving force behind the direction mm. that Wild Beasts were going. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you want to take over, Nick, as you also know oh, them? I think I want to hear Tom, Tom first. Yeah, Tom, okay. go for it, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of the points that have been made so far, but so much so that my first two points I was going to bring up were about editors. Oh, wow. And, um, nice. So with editors, they, they were one of those bands which I really liked as a teenager in mm. the 2000s before I discovered Joy Division. And, mm. um, yeah. I think Tom Fleming's voice does sound like the guy out of editors. Um, and after my first listen, to be honest, I was ready to write this off as a, a new editor's album that we didn't need. Mm. Um, because I think this has also been mentioned, but one of the main strengths of Wild Beasts was, I think, the interplay between mm. Hayden Thorpe and, and Tom Fleming. Um, and I wasn't convinced that we needed solo albums from either of them, really. Um, but I do have to say, after listening to this repeatedly, that I do think this is a pretty good record with a lot mm. to like on it. Um 
I think it's very listenable. Um, the hooks are good. The tracks are really tightly constructed, and I never found it a chore to listen to this mm. on the, the playlist. Um, and I think it explores some really interesting lyrical themes. So um, the song "Weapons" seems to be about kind of toxic masculinity and knife crime. It seems. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of has this this build up, and then it, the, the last line is like. Um, gonna take a weapon and go out tonight but mm. the rest of the lyrics have been about how he's kind of bullied by his older brother and his friends kind of thing mm. um so yeah it, it does remind me a lot of the the music of my teenage years the, the kind of post-punk revival which took place in the, the mid-2000s so bands like editors yeah. interpol maximo park block party those kind of bands um i think some of those bands were better than others so some took elements of post-punk and kind of crafted interesting new music with it so Interpol for example Mm. Um, and some just kind of rehashed it like editors Um, and I think sometimes this one true pairing uh, album kind of falls between the two so I think for all its catchy hooks sometimes the production is a little bit uh, almost like parodic of post-punk so at times it directly mimics the production for Unknown Pleasures by Martin Hannett. Um, so Dawn at the Factory, which I think is the kind of centerpiece of this album, it even has that sound of like the, the steel gates crashing in the mm. background, which is the same effect as Insight on Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures, um, which is 40 years old mm. this year. So I don't think it's like original in that sense. Um, but I think this is his first album, and like you say, I think that last Wild Beast gig was last year, was it? Yeah, early last year, was it? I can't remember exactly. So for them both to come out with solo albums, I mean, I haven't haven't heard Hayden's album either, but um, for them to come out with an album which which is this strong, like, straight away as a debut album, I think is is really quite impressive. Mm. And I think, like, if you're like me, if you're a teenager... Um, I'm not a teenager now, but if you're, <laughs> if you're a, uh, you just you're, look like one, like me if you're a teenager. <laughs> if uh, yeah, if you're like a 15 year old and listen to a one true pairing album and it mm. allows you to get into post punk and Joy Division, you're one of my favourite bands of all time. Um, I think this, you know, is, that's only a good thing, and I think this is a, a decent first record for for Tom. Mm. And I think moving forward, I hope you find. I think he'll go from strength to strength, and when he's a bit freer of his influences, he'll he'll go on to make um, really good work. So, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I surprised. I was surprised how much I enjoyed this album. It's interesting. The thing about the influences and stuff, where you think when someone's been in a band like that for years and had the other people to rely on and stuff, maybe coming yeah. away and doing your own thing, you would cling a little bit to to things like that, wouldn't you? You would cling mm-hmm. to things that make make you feel a bit more comfortable, I suppose. But I mean, it's yeah, it's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shall I jump That's in? Cool. Is that yeah? Is that you, yeah. yeah. So um, I yeah, it's interesting all this conversation about about Hayden and Tom and the, you know the, what Wild Beasts were and stuff. I think uh, again, I'm going to approach it from a fairly um, musical standpoint, not a conceptual one, really. So really, so um, I think it misses the vocal interplay between the two voices that was so nice in the Wild Beast songs. I think that that is a pity. I think songwriting is is a decent album. Um, and I think it's interestingly put together. It's actually, um, to take it quite personally, it's, it's actually quite a scary album to me because I think the biggest problem I have with it is even though it has this um, nice delivery, nice song construction, it sounds very, very in the box. You know that expression like from a studio standpoint? It sounds like it's been made 
as I make music in, in the computer, not in a proper studio a lot mm. of the time. And I, I find that quite limiting um, to the point of distraction, unfortunately, which is it sounds a bit flat in that respect, that it needs some more breathing room or space to, to, to sort of allow for the ideas to expand out and to really sort of gain traction with me. So, um, I mean, again, I'm arguing against what I personally interested in doing so which is I realise a bit odd but um, I suppose you're going to stop now when I, when, I, when I listen to something when I listen to something like um, uh, going back to JPEG Mafia he's obviously completely in the box as well recording everything in the computer and, or mostly I would assume um, and but doing so uh, with the notion that he's consciously playing with that, the limitations of that and breaking the limitations of that this sounds like an album that wants to be recorded with a really nice set up in a lovely space with some orchestration and stuff like that but ultimately couldn't have that because because of, I don't know why maybe budgetary wise or time wise I've no idea but it just sounded smaller than it should have been. it sounded like a, a set of really interesting demos um, but not a fully fledged out fleshed out album so um, so yes it, I, I suppose I'd describe it as a little bit of a pity in the end I, I, I didn't I didn't really hate it but I, I think it had a potential to do a lot more than it ended up doing so that's me on that one. Well, you're wrong, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to see him the week after next. Um, um, if any Manchester folk. Sorry, Matt. Really? Know you're the other side Whereabouts? He's playing it, yes. Which, ah, um, okay. Yeah, nice so small venue. Yeah. The week after next. So it'll be interesting to see what, what it is as a live thing, I suppose, we'd be talking about yeah. it. A lot of it being possibly created. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Will it just be a laptop? Will it have a band? If he's got a laptop and a keyboard, then I think that'll be that'd be interesting. If he's got a you know a string quartet with him, then I'll I email words basically, yeah. So But yeah. yeah. I think there are cool. I said so, I think there are ways of doing things that are in the box that are still sound expansive. At least I fucking hope so, because that's what I try and do. But I, I don't know if, I just don't know if it pulled it off. I think the sound so. that he's got on this album is what he wanted though. I think that okay. I don't I don't yeah. agree with the sort of um the idea that it sounded like it wanted more I think it yeah. was it's quite a tight album and it's quite sort of dark and brooding I think and quite intense and I think that's I think the sound that he's got there is, is purposeful and I think I personally I think it really works okay so well, I'm just gonna well you're wrong so there scrub we your <laughs> last if I was doing the editing of this I would just edit your last bit out but you've just edited me out completely I would yeah, guess yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know we'll, we'll have to let you stay on because you do the editing I do you were wrong Oh, so, um, so so magnanimous of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Tom is going yeah. to tell us. Uh, is going to confirm. Well, first, I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah. First, we're going to say what we thought of the playlist. Oh, okay. Yeah. As a whole. Yeah. So, I mean, Matt. Before is, we get into that, you didn't want to host this one, Nick, but you keep taking responsibilities <laughs> yeah. away from Matt. I just feel bad that Matt's not on the ground here and doesn't. Let know Matt what host. We're doing. All right, fair enough, Matt. You're in charge. Whatever you, say, whatever you say. What would you like to do now, Matt? What should we talk about? I, I would really like to talk about what we thought about this playlist. Okay. So if you you seem like you really want to talk, Nick, so you can go first. Okay. Um, I thought this playlist was uh, fairly mixed. It had uh, two albums that I thought were uh, really good, uh, um, a sort of middling one and a couple of things that didn't really impress me. So I th it was a pretty middling, middle of the road one for me. It didn't blow me away, but there was some decent stuff. JPEG Mafia uh, was probably the best thing on it wow. for me, but I didn't, Ooh. I didn't absolutely adore it. But I mean, it was definitely solid album. Yeah. Okay. So what do you reckon, Tom? <laughs> I enjoyed this playlist. I enjoyed four of the five records on it. Our favorite is probably a tie between 
JPEG Mafia and Burner Boy, which. Um, wow. Yeah. One, Two worst ones. One one, one, <laughs> love, one no love whatsoever. But, you know, agree to disagree, you know? Uh, fair enough. There's lots of bad choices uh, happening right now. What about you, Fran? I thought it was a very average playlist with two really good albums in The One True Pairing and Silver Jews. Um, and then, you know, one that I hated. So yeah, an average playlist. Uh, it wasn't a bad playlist, though. We've had much worse. I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. We're I think One True Pairing and Silver Jews really lifted it. I thought they were both great. Yeah. Matt? I, I, would, I would agree, but mostly because I don't think... If there was nothing on here I loved, mm. and there was nothing on here I really hated, it was just... Yeah, you you guys seem to be more like diverse in your opinions of the album. I'm just like, meh. Mm. It's okay. So it's mediocre, I did, what you're basically saying. Yeah. Yeah, I did really like Microwave. I'm like a nice kid. Mm. Microwave like, was your favourite? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> your favourite was know. JP Mafia. Yeah. And yours, what the Burner <laughs> Boy and JP Mafia. What the hell is going on? So, so, We've got a good split. Yeah. Yeah. We're all being picky. I don't know that we can carry on with this project. Yeah, I want to I hit the stop <laughs> right now. <laughs> right, Tom, do you want to tell us about St. Vincent before yes. they punch each other? Nick, Nick's looking at me like he really wants me to tell, tell you about St. Vincent. Yeah, so, convert yeah. me. Oh. I'm excited. Okay. Um, so the thing I love about St. Vincent's music is the contrast that kind of sits at the heart of her music, and that's the contrast between the expectations that come with her appearance. So and I think she, she uses this. So her like pretty face and a pleasant voice, which she uses on the... Her face just is the front cover of the first two albums. And this plays against the darkness that kind of lies beneath the surface. Mm. So she plays with these expectations, and I think her music is multi-layered as a result of this. So I found a great description online from um, a journalist, uh, Lindsay Zolads, who um, wrote that there's always a quality of menace to Clark's music, but it usually conjures a feeling of an eerie smile pulled too tight. And I think that is mm-hmm. um, pretty much sums up. Well, I like that. I love mental that. picture. That's good. Yeah. 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 So, um, St. Vincent, Annie, a.k.a. Annie Clark, um, she said in an interview that she plays off the fact that she's a very demure-looking person, but she certainly has as much aggression or anger as the next person, and that's got to come out somehow. And I think, like, thematically, her music reminds me of someone like a filmmaker like David Lynch. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you're all familiar with the film Blue Velvet. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that kind of explores the kind of dark underbelly of, like, polite society. And I think that kind of light-dark comparison is at the heart of St. Vincent's music. And I really like the juxtaposition of those elements. So the first three albums particularly explore these themes, and I think they just get better and better. Um, so I, for, for listeners, I uh, put forward a ten-track playlist, and the first six tracks are from the first three albums. Um, so the first album, Marry Me, I thought was a decent kind of first stab at this kind of ethos that she has um, but it's on the second album um, where she paired with the producer John Congleton and I think that mm. combination really kind of got to the heart of why she's so great um, he actually produced the new Angel Olsen album just as an mm. aside so um, yeah, that kind of sound the kind of um, that kind of production style is kind of clear across St Vincent and his other work um, so I've included the song The Strangers on this playlist, which um, I think shows a creative leap from the first song, uh, Now Now, which is the opener to the, the previous album. 
that has these like Disney-like whimsical strings, and they're offset against kind of cutting lyrics like "paint the black hole blacker." Mm. Which is, um, you know, the, the kind of like sinister lyrics, but they play against this like really pretty arrangement. And she actually admitted that Disney soundtracks were an influence on that album, and I think she uses the sort of yeah like light uh, atmosphere that they create to really highlight her darker lyrics. Um, I think Strange Mercy, her third album, is her greatest work to date. Mm. So, um, whereas on the first two albums, the front covers just have a picture of her face, kind of not quite smiling, but kind of just looking a bit off and you kind of wondering what's going on beneath the surface. The third album has a cover, has kind of like a mouth trying to escape through like a like kind of white mask and it's kind of like a surreal, a bit disturbing image. And it, I think that's quite a good reflection of the music that's contained mm. within. So the song Surgeon, for example, is largely about depression. And you've got, I think you've got these keys in the background, which really conjure up like a sense of like malaise and like stasis where, she, yeah. um, and she just sings about dressing and undressing for a while, like not being able to leave the house kind of thing. Um, but then that's offset against the second mm. half of that song, which has this like, I think it's a guitar. I mean, I'm not, um, great on the instruments but it's like it has this like freak out where it's it kind of conjures the impression of someone that's reached breaking point so they're kind of like mm. having a breakdown and I think there's those kind of production elements all across the album so my favourite song of hers full stop is Champagne Year on that which I included on this playlist and that's because I think it just says so much with so little like there's it's kind of about how she hasn't really achieved everything she wanted to in life and she's kind of looking at her lot as she reaches the same age as her the champagne year is like the age which is the same date in your birth year or something so oh, she, yeah. she was 28 when she, she um, uh, created that and I think she it seems like there's like a sighing sense of disappointment and like vain hopeful notes um, in it in that song and there's like a, a minimal lyricism which works on a number of levels so she says lines like I make a living telling people what they want to hear great line yeah, so I think that just that can say that says like three different things mm. like just in one line, and I just think the production Nick is absolutely uh, perfect on that album, <laughs> and it's one of my favourite releases. <laughs> All the dressing he's like staring at me across the mic here is rage. I, I just can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the production is absolutely yeah, perfect on that album. Mm. Uh, it's one of my favourite releases of this decade since we're talking about music of the decade. Um, so after cool. after these first three albums, um, she did a collaborative one with David Byrne and her sound noticeably changed after that. It started to incorporate more art rock and pop elements. So on her self-titled album, which is the last one she did with John Congleton, um, there's a song like Digital Witness, which kind of satirizes contemporary society. And then there's a song called Prince Johnny, which kind of shows the expansion of her musical palette. It's got like choirs in it and it's a really enhanced sound. And then she released Mass Seduction, her most recent record, which is, um, it's got more synthy and pop elements. Um, and this wasn't my favourite, I kind of, I don't think it really worked as well, that album. Mm. Uh, there's the odd song, which I did like, like Pills, which I included on the playlist. And that's got, yeah. that's got production credit from um, Soundwave, who produces for Kendrick Lamar. So okay. it's a really different direction for her. Um, but even though I didn't really like that record that much, it kind of encapsulates what I'm love about her and the art my favorite artists and that's the willingness to push their art in new directions mm. like when they've mastered something 
they moved into trying to do something else. Um, and she released an acoustic album alongside, uh, well, a year after Mass, Mass Seduction called Mass Education, which um, I included the reworking of the song Slow Disco on the playlist. Mm. And I think what that, it's like a piano album um, with the same songs from Mass Seduction on it. And I think what that did was it showed how her music works on two levels. So mm. on Mass Seduction, the songs are quite extroverted, they're quite synthy, uh, pop rec- uh, pop songs. But on Mass Education, it's more the more kind of melancholy, and they just show that there's different, you know, different mm. way to play those songs and different meaning to those songs. So basically, I think those last two, my least favourite of her records, kind of sum up what I love about her, and that's that she's a multi-dimensional artist whose songs work on multiple different levels, essentially. Um, and that's my opinion of her, but I know other opinions are out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's hear from Matt, shall we? <laughs> do you, yeah. oh, do you want to go to people who aren't going to be dicks, or do you want to go to Nick? I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, should we get out of the way? Should we just go to Nick? Should we get out of the way? All right, fair enough. So there's been um, an unspoken rule. We don't have many rules. Well, franchise impose our rules. We don't tend to stick to them. One of the <laughs> unspoken rules has been um, that when we do the wild love, um, the other people are respectful of the fact that somebody on the group actually loves the, the, the artist, you know? So um, I've been really challenged this month on that basis. Um <laughs> And uh, I think, but I will say that I think Tom knew going into this selection that I had a serious promise with Vincent. What? So, yeah, you did. So, um, so I think in that sense, I, you know, all bets are off really for, for like how I can handle it. I feel like I'm open to say what I want about it. Um, <laughs> I will disregard as well the review that I wrote on pickybees.com um, about her uh, production credit on the new Slater Keeney album. Um, which uh, was not very pof- not very favourable. I'll put it that way. I didn't wasn't keen. Um, so I'll give. I think I'll give three examples of my problems I have with St Vincent. Um, and I think, in a way, to to her credit, um, the, in some cases there are problems of potential um, versus just not having any ability. I feel like there's, there's potential there, and she delivers it in in ways that I find extremely irritating and don't <laughs> deliver, don't work for me. I mean, so. Uh, in no particular order, we'll go with pills, because you mentioned pills at one point. Yeah. Um, first of all, and I'll see what Fran has to say about this later, but I can remember when we did Father John Misty um, a long time ago now, um, Fran telling me how preachy he found mm. Father John Misty to be, and I that find one, yeah. that song to be just unbearably dictatorially preachy about um, you know the cultures, mass cultures, dependence and need for medication and things that they find sort of anesthetise them from the challenges of the world and stuff. So I find it immediately a bit irritating in that respect. But the long, I will say that this is what I mean about potential. That the song is in two parts. It has a long outro section of, of almost half the length of the song, um, which is actually um, it's really beautiful. It's really quite beautiful. Uh, way of building the song out at the end to get to that point you have to listen to an unbelievably grating endurance test of jingles all the way through it pills 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 it's so irritating it's like a jingle 
from like a, a birthday card. You open the birthday card, it plays that little tune at you. It's like one of those, like a Christmas card or something, you know? Unbelievably irritating and such a tragedy to, to build towards a song that has that lovely, lush outro and then not, not but sort of mask it in this other, this issue. How about Slow Disco? Let's talk about Slow Disco. Um, I thought it was a very clever move of Tom to select the piano version of this song <laughs> rather than the full production yeah. one from the previous album because the um, piano version of this song um, is really, really beautiful again. It really is um, uh, pretty stunning. I mean, she performance is brilliant, but also um, I thought it was really uh, excellently written um, and lyrically great. Um, when you turn back from that to the album version, um, it is almost unbearable and hard to get through that's listening cheating. to. Yeah, you're cheating. Uh, uh, that's that's the side of the playlist. <laughs> That you can't you can't just cherry pick versions obscure non non album made no, albums. Released an album. I know, but it's not an album. album. It's, not, it's, not, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, a re it's a re release of the original version of the album. Of so anyway, I think I think that's cheating. It's a different that's version cheating, of the song. So. The whole thing is different. Yeah. Well, well, this version of the song's good. The other version, which yeah. I couldn't put any reason I know why I think that would be a big deal, is awful. So that's a big problem. Digital witness. You mentioned that as well. That's my third example. It is. Really, really grating again. Like, really. I think you're right to go for the dick first. <laughs> <laughs> it's so irritating. It has a complicated and interesting message, but it is dressed in some really, really dodgy synths, like pop synths, like little tooting horns and mm. stuff that sound, again, like little jangly, just irritatingly jangly stuff. Um, I think she's got things to say. She's got great vocal ability, she's a good lyricist, and she dresses the songs in ways that are really off-point to that. <laughs> uh, really off-point to that. So, um, it's a tragedy, honestly. But, um, yeah, not my favourite Why I Love we've ever done. Mm. Is it? That's is it your least favourite? It's my least favourite by an absolute mile. Is your issue, like, predominantly with her latest stuff, or does that... Yeah, I think it is It's interesting stuff, that the one yeah. you chose was all towards the end. Yeah. yeah, it is the latest stuff, I agree okay. with that, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Yeah. Although, I, yeah, there was no part of it that I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Except, for, I literally, I would go back to the piano version of Slow Disco. I thought that yeah. was... Great. And, and the outro for Pills, if I could work out exactly how to skip through the first three minutes in one button, so... Okay. Rather than scanning around listening to her screaming, screeching pills, pills, yeah. pills at me. I mean, I would say that pills. I think the jang jingle bit and the kind of message of it was is like, it's like it's about herself, isn't it? Like it's mm. it's, it's maybe like satirical. Mm. But, yeah. No, okay. It doesn't but matter, you're so entitled to your opinion. Though. Thank you. Thanks very kindly. I don't think Fran agrees with you, but still, <laughs> yeah, I'm not entitled to my opinion. You're totally entitled. It's <laughs> be wrong. Um, right. Yeah. Do, do you want to correct him, Fran? He's going. Yeah. Fran. Go on, Fran. Correct him. Well, for me, it's just been really enjoyable to spend the month with the playlist. Um, I'm already a big fan, um, particularly of the album Strange Mercy. Um, you picked out a lot of the songs on the playlist that I would have picked out, other than the title track from that album, which yeah, is obviously her best song yeah, okay. ever. So why you didn't include her best song on the playlist is a bit, <laughs> yeah. bit of a bit of a weird one. But you know, I'll let you off. Um, I just think she's one of the most creative, interesting musicians out there at the minute. I think um, you, what you said about her changing up her style regularly. Again, yes, I agree. Mass Seduction is her weakest album. Um, I haven't listened to the piano version, but I think I will after hearing the version of Slow Disco. Um, but my seduction, I still liked it, but mm. it it was not as 
interesting to me because of the pop stylings. But then I think yeah. I know what she was trying to do with that, and I really like the character she created around that album and the stage show mm. she put on. And I thought it was very clever. Yeah. Um, and this is a big thing for me to say, but she kind of reminds me of Bowie in in some ways in the sort of um, the way she changes things up, the way she creates a character with each album, the way she sort of uses her persona and, like you said, her image as a sort of counteract to what she's doing and she, she very much plays on that and I think that's a really, really powerful part, part of her sort of whole vibe, really. Um, she's she's very innovative. Each album's something new. Um, for me, the, my favourite songs on this list were The Strangers, Surgeon and Slow Disco and I... I love that you put Pills on there because I know how much Nick hates it. So <laughs> I'm glad that Pills is on there. <laughs> but I do think Pills is probably her worst song. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I do find it a bit irritating. Um, but I'm really glad it was on the playlist because I know Nick had to listen to it all month and that's great. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's be- definitely those other songs I would have gone from gone forth from that album. And I, I, like the, I like the original version of Slow Disco. Um, yeah, so do I, actually. I'm trying to think what my favourite one is. There's a slow one on that album that I love, and I can't remember the name the of it. It's gone out of my head. Smoking section, maybe? No, it's not smoking section. Oh, it's gone out of my head, York, but... New yeah, yeah, New York, yeah. And it's... Yeah, I think she's fantastic. And, I yeah, I enjoyed spending this time. I would have been happy for you to have added another 10 songs to the playlist. Yeah. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to keep it um, short out of... Uh, Respect for me. But no, yeah, she's... Sure double down. I think she's fantastic, and I think... I can't... I struggle to understand Nick's... I've seen it for minutes explaining yeah, it. Yeah, but I don't understand it. Really said. Okay. Um, I just don't. I see your point about pills, but you did this when we did the mass seduction on the podcast. Mm. You just talked about pills for five minutes. I gave, you three, songs. I gave you three songs. Yeah, about but ten. one of them you loved. I loved. I hate the version of it that was on the actual <laughs> main album loved? release. And what about the song from Strange Mercy? What about Surgeon? What about. Did you like Surgeon? Yeah. Not really, no. What about Champagne Year? I just found it... I just found it jingly. <laughs> I'm going to go through every song. I'm going to go through all again. You can say jingly about my seduction I and I can three, go with that. I gave you three examples already. So one of which you loved. enough. One of which you loved. Um, but yeah. Matt? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Nick's wrong. Yes. She's, she's amazing. She is uh, an absolute trailblazer, I think. The, I actually laughed then. <laughs> <laughs> the mic. She, I, I think like she has contributed to this atmosphere of like at the moment women are I think dominating mm. um, anything that is adjacent to pop um, and her kind of alt pop stylings and kind of indie pop really um, I think she's helped lay the groundwork with this because mm. she is doing stuff that's super inventive and creative and interesting and she isn't held back by labels or held back by ascribing to a specific notion of what she should be she just does what she wants to do um, and I don't yeah like the her self-titled album I think is my favourite album um, which is I don't know her fourth album Mm. Um, all albums or just of her of her okay. right, right. but I, it would be in my conversation so for like album it. of the decade okay. mm. it would be it would be it's, it's, I made a playlist and it was on there <laughs> so it's it's she's she's just phenomenal um, I just yeah like we've talked about Surgeon but I think it's like really interesting that she chose specifically for the sample something from James Bond like oh, really? notorious misogynist mm. And then 
creates this weird uh like discussion between oppression and submission and to have that as the background is just i think it's really smart and clever and she's thinking on many levels um and yeah i just i just i'm glad that she's around yes i really i really see uh, your comparison to david bowie and i mm. agree as well yeah. i think that it's strong but it's also warranted yeah i think there's not many people i would say that about um no because you know there's not many people who do change up so successfully and i think it's an important it is an important thing it's you know a lot of the best bands and best artists do it and uh, and also i love the persona i just love i love an artist who sort of makes that makes them more than the music by creating a persona and that's something she does really well i think yeah yeah cool cool Cool, cool, cool. Wow, yeah, it was so definitely a highlight. Thank Christ for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can move on. I thought you were going to get won over by it. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. You never. Well, no, next time. Never, next segment. Never going to get won over by it. It wasn't going to happen. All right. But. Right. So, next time, we're going to be talking about our albums of the decade, oh, wow. which we've kind of hinted at already. We have, how many albums do we have, Franz? Well, 15 people have chosen their album of the decade. Two of them... These two who have just completely screwed about St. Vincent chose the same album. So there's 14, okay. 14 albums in total. So everyone has lots of homework to do before yeah. the next podcast. Yeah. Lots of listening. Um, but you can find everything uh, on the website. You can find the playlist on pickybees.com. Yeah. Um, there's also the Twitter and the Facebook, which Fran knows. At Picky Bastards, capital B, capital B on Twitter and uh, at the Picky Bastards. On Facebook, again, we are not the Bluegrass Band. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so thanks thanks for joining us, Tom. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming in, man. Yeah. Having so, you again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had to do it twice. It's stuck with us yeah. for too many hours now. <laughs> and both times, uh, like last time, the time that didn't make through, you did Frank Ocean, and I gave it some hate. So you've not really had the nicest time yeah, from us. He's had a tough time. time. No, he deserves a beer yeah. now. I give him a beer. Yeah, but, you know, you've earned it. But then you do like the... the um, JPEG Mafia album, so you're also wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, picky, picky for a reason, you know. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Cool. Well, until next time. See you next time. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye bye.